He'd left his room without his sling. He wondered if anyone had had time to stare when he was hurrying past. He tilted his head back against the marble walls behind him and closed his eyes. He didn't look at the altar, decorated with an assortment of objects stolen by his ancestors and himself. He hadn't come to pray. He'd come to hide. Stop, 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 stop whining. Ah, oh, come on. You're listening to the Italian Archives, your one-stop shop for adventure, war, and ill-gotten tchotchkes. I'm Noelle. And I'm Caitlin. Return of the Thief is in... days. Sorry, what was that? I'm... Listen, it's art, not science. Let's talk about the chapter. This week, it's The Queen of Atolia, Chapter 6. It's a short one. In the midst of Jen's important business of staring at the ceiling, a man arrives to show him options for prosthetics. Seeing this, Jen freaks out and goes to hide in a temple for the rest of the day, where he receives a divine message. Kind of an anticlimactic divine message, in the grand scheme of things. (laughs) So the chapter opens... With um, time has passed, the winter has passed, it's now late winter, and in the late winter he was still working on his handwriting and studying the books and scrolls from the library. He was reading a text on the system for categorizing plants and animals. So I kind of took this as more of a sign of recovery that he's now he's back to at least one of his old habits of scholarship. He's out of bed, he's doing stuff. Also, it hadn't occurred to me before this moment that his recovery takes place over the course of a transition from winter into spring. Mm-hmm. Like, the snow is melting now yeah. as he's starting to get out of bed more and do some stuff again and experimentally poke his head back into the world. Yeah, and winter was his, his dormant season. Yeah. He hibernated. And then somebody shows up, and it's a man he doesn't know, and he has a box with him, and in the box are different kinds of wooden hands and i don't know if there's actually a hook in there hold on let me check there are uh oh yeah false hands and hooks and jen can't deal with that so he runs away and something that was a detail that we noticed is that the man says he won't go away until jen at least looks in the box which he does very briefly and so that makes me think that Either Helen or Jen's father specifically told this guy, go up there, show it to him, don't go away until you get him to take a look. Yeah, and they knew he wasn't at the point where he's gonna... Wanna do that. Wanna do that. Yeah. But they also have decided that it's time to try, to open that door. Yeah, to see if he can start moving past this. Mm Mm-hmm. Which I guess that's basically the whole the sum up of this chapter is everyone else is kind of ready to push Jen Mm -hmm. back into the world and is Jen going to cooperate and jump back out or is he going to he's being stubborn yeah and he's getting to the point where he doesn't have the excuse of being ill right because before he was sick he was weak he couldn't really function but now he's up he's reading He's hanging out in the library, which I picture the library as being quite small. And I don't mm. know if other people do. I think of it as just like a room. Yeah, me too. Because how many books would they have? 
Yeah, we kind of get the impression, like, it says it once or twice, like, there aren't too many scholars in Edis. And it's a world where if you want to make a copy of a book, you have to hand copy it. Right. And so even if this is the most books in one place in the country, it's probably nothing close to what we think of when we think of the word library. I also think of it as kind of like piles of stuff everywhere. (laughs) Yeah. Little, uh, like... At least in Jen's, Jen's section of it crumbs and stuff from when he's eaten (laughs) i don't think he would eat near books no yeah they're too precious Mm. see previous comment yeah what descriptions we have like he strode across the library yeah or like that gives you a pretty small image and like the door was open and the firelight was coming out into the hallway so like it can't be that big if there's one fireplace when he runs he runs to the temple and there are some specifics given about the layout of the temple the word perneus uh, is used, and it, that leads into the Naeus, and so we looked up real quick what those things are and what it would look like, and we also looked up the pronunciation. It's not Proneus, apparently. According to Google, the little robot voice says Proneus, so we're gonna believe her. And the, a Proneus is like a, a vestibule in the front of a temple before the main temple starts. And these are uh, real-life, traditional ancient Greek temples. Yes, this is in the real world. What they're based on. And it's um, a like a roof with columns, usually. And so it's the it's a transitional area from outdoors to indoors. Mm-hmm. It's not quite outside, not quite inside. It's like a almost porch-like area. Although in this scene. Uh, the Perneus is described as having doors, and so I think it's more of an indoor area. Mm-hmm. And then behind the Perneus is the Nis, which is like the main room of the temple mm-hmm. with um, the altars. And then behind the Nis, in a traditional temple, and we find this out in the Thief, but not from this scene, there's a treasure room. Right. Uh, what's that called? The Ops? The... Opsum the doors. Ops of the doors. I don't know. It's some long O word that doesn't end with Naeus. <laughs> Is that something that uh, we could look up like that would have actually existed? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's right in that oh, yeah, yeah, diagram yeah. we looked up for this. Apistodomos. Apistodomos. Um, in the Thief when Jen Say is Say that ten the... times fast. Yeah. In the Thief when Jen is, uh, when Jen is in the sort of temple maze in the Arachthus. He's looking for the... What is it? Opistodomos. Oh, yeah, he's looking for the Epistod... The... You know what I mean. He's <laughs> the epistolary the novel. <laughs> <laughs> and this uh, particular temple in Edis has um, a little alcove in front of the altar that has a smaller altar to Eugenides, which is where he hides. He pulls a curtain across the door and sits in front of the altar. And nobody else is going to go in there. There aren't even really other people in the temple. Yeah, there aren't any priests. It says it was empty, which is... I think, you know, that um, that never really phased me on other rebreedings, but now mm-hmm. that I'm thinking more carefully about it, do you think, like, the gods saw this coming and oh, gave and kind people of cleared a it little out. nudge, you know? I was thinking of it as another indication that religion isn't... A huge deal in people's lives. Like I feel like it's the equivalent of going into a Christian church on like Thursday afternoon. 
Yeah. Like, who's really in there unless there's, like, a book club meeting going on or something? Boy Scouts? Yeah. Or, like, in a community that only goes on, like, Christmas and Easter. Yeah. And so, like, it's not... <laughs> yeah, that that totally could be. And nobody is going to be in the little altar to Eugenides area. I'm actually kind of impressed that they even have that. I know. I guess because he's more important in Edis. Because it's a political position. That yeah. That it's like a patron god of this hereditary position, I guess. Also, I noted that um, it says like he didn't look at the altar full of dedications from his ancestors and himself. But it doesn't say like his ancestors himself and various other thieves. It just says his family yeah so like maybe his family is the are the only devotees of eugenides in the country they're it baby i don't know they are <laughs> single-handedly keeping the theft industry afloat <laughs> and does anyone thank them oh god <laughs> <laughs> i didn't mean it this makes me wonder about like just other thieves in the country Jen says in, in King of Atolia, like, my god is not your average supplicants on every corner, priests on every corner, mm -hmm. whatever. I don't remember what he says, but he basically says he doesn't have that many followers, so he keeps a close eye on me. So this kind of makes me wonder, like, are there other just random thieves around the country he's also keeping an eye on? Like, if there are only five or six or ten or twenty thieves who really pray to him in earnest, I wonder if they're all, you know, very successful because they have his mm -hmm. eye or something. Yeah, what is it like to be a thief in a country where there is a person in the royal family whose job it is to be a thief? Yeah. Like, wouldn't that feel a little bit unfair if you got arrested <gasps> for stealing stuff? And you're like, yeah, but, like, you let him do it. <laughs> I was thinking the other direction, that, like, maybe thieving is a little bit less illegal in Edith. <laughs> It's only, it's only a little bit illegal. <laughs> oh, that also makes me think, like, are there other random thieves who can just dedicate things to Eugenides? Like, not at this altar, but at, like, other temples. Mm -hmm. Like, is Jen the only teenage thief who just steals things from his rivals to annoy them and then gets away with it because it's religious? Like, because that was his ultimate trump card of, like, well, it's on the altar, so I can't be punished. Yeah. Because if you were a, a thief who stole for a living, then you wouldn't do that. Or you would only do it every once in a while. Right. Because it has to be something that you don't need. Yeah. You don't need to sell it. You don't need to eat it. You never see... I don't think there ever is another thief. Yeah. A normal thief. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. No, we see, like, bandits sometimes. Yeah, which is different. Who steal things, but that's different, yeah. Interesting. Hmm. And he always, like, he talks about it as, like, the tools of the trade. He's very serious about the art of stealing as a tradition that's been passed down and a, a skill set in itself. And other people definitely have that skill set. Somebody made his lockpicks. True. And what is, what's his relationship with that? Once again, write me that fanfic, friends. Yeah. Write me a story about <laughs> just a regular old thief. And while Jen is hiding in the temple, eating the ceremonial bread and being cold, he receives a message from Moira. She descends from the heavens and tells him to stop whining. Those are the exact words, or at the very least, the exact words as Jen relays them. He doesn't 
actually, um, we don't see that scene. We only see him telling Edis and his father about it later, which mm-hmm. I think that that is interesting. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that before now, but I would like to see more of that scene. Like, okay, let's just imagine she comes in, he recognizes her because he's seen her before, mm-hmm. and then maybe she says his name again because that's what he does, and maybe she says, will you hear my message, because that's what she says to Nehushrish at the end of the book. Maybe he says this, and then she says that, and then, like, I can't imagine... And then she's like, bye! Like, she does, like... <laughs> Peace out. Ascends back. <laughs> Because I can't imagine he would just, like, say, okay, and then the conversation drops. I wonder if he tried to defend himself or, like, argue or... Yeah. Or maybe it was, like, so <laughs> blunt and threw him off so much that he just kind of went, okay. <laughs> and by the time he got it together enough to argue, she had already pieced it. Yeah. And stop whining is essentially what the gods will continue to say to him for ever. It's such a blunt way to phrase that sentiment. You know, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> did they think or know that he wouldn't respond to anything nicer? Like, <laughs> this would be, like, galvanizing or something in a way that, like, I think you've recovered enough. I think you can get back out there. Like, come <laughs> on, champ, let's do it. <laughs> that wouldn't work as well. Have they ever been nice? I don't think that mm, this is a universe where the gods are all that nice. I don't think that's their MO. No. <laughs> And um, so when he gets back to the library and his father and the queen are both uh, waiting for him. Also, they're, like, he comes back to his room and they're both sitting in his armchairs like, and what sort of a time do you call this? <laughs> they knew where he was, too. Yeah. There are only so many places that he would go to hide. So they just decided to park it and wait for him to get back and then make fun of him for having s- sat in an unheated temple for like... Six hours? It makes me wonder, since they've been so busy for the rest of the winter, like, did they have someone washing the temple and then go get them as he was coming out? So then they can just make their dramatic poses and sit? (laughs) Or were they, like, actually waiting in the library for a few hours? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. I would feel like they're too busy, but also this means they are really worried and that they will drop anything and everything for something important that he needs. Yeah, and also, getting Eugenides back on the horse, so to speak, is part of the war strategy. True. I definitely think that Helen considers it a politically advantageous thing, especially given the next chapter. Uh, just having him. Yeah, so when he gets back to the library, um, his father says, cowardice has its own rewards, and... Jen says, more than you guess, and that's when he explains that Moira came. So, I just thought that was kind of funny that that's how his dad phrases it. That, like, okay, you're past the recovery period, like, so now we can start calling it, like, cowardice instead of... I don't know, like, he wasn't saying it, like, meanly. I think it was kind of, like... Also, Jen needs to be called out. Yeah, I think... I think there's a general consensus that, like, being super nice and sensitive about this is not the way to get Jen to do anything. Yeah. You kind of have to poke him. And there's that conversation, but it's followed by the Minister of War helping Jen get into his pajamas and get into bed. In this very, it's uh, described as with a minimum of words, but they have this really tender action between the two of them. And you can see in this scene how much he still cares about his son. 
Jen also admits that he's been practicing his handwriting and studying because he has a plan to go to one of the universities on the peninsula and study until he's quote-unquote useful. And so Jen is, he has started to think about his future again and understand that he still has a life, but he definitely thinks that he will never be a thief again. And so he said, okay, what else can I do? What other skill do I have? And his father says, it was a good plan. And Jen thinks, was? As he falls asleep, because I think this uh, interference by the gods again is a sign that they are not done, and he is not done with this whole drama mm -hmm. that has been started. And um, that reaction by the minister also kind of made me think, like, even messages from the gods regardless. I kind of took this as the minister and Edith hoping to prompt Jen back into being politically useful even before this happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was a reasonable idea. Also, Jen knows that other people don't believe in the gods, even people who saw Hamiethi's gift and were filled with certainty at its destruction, that belief kind of faded from them. And so Jen knows that maybe other people won't be able to relate to these experiences that he's continuing to have. And he hopes that Helen, at least, will understand the gravity of him having been visited. But his father uh, looked only politely interested, like he's going to humor him. Also, another thing that Jen's father says is, bedtime, I think, he said, we can discuss messages from the gods when we've had some sleep. Things, he said, looking at the queen, are sometimes not as they appear. What does that mean? And what is that in reference to? I was thinking that it might be the war, that he's looking at Edith and referencing the fact that Jen doesn't know that there's a war going on and that the gods probably want him back in the game because of this war and there are big plans, but they can't talk about it right now because it's just not the right time emotionally for Jen. Yeah, I don't know. I have no idea... Yeah, I, I think don't know. we can submit this to the committee. Please <laughs> tell us what you think, because we are confused. Although, mm, another good fic, an AU where he did go to the universities on the peninsula. Yeah. Jen hanging out in Italy for a while. Hmm, and then what would have happened with the wars? Yeah. What, like, wasn't... Would Edith just have been overrun by the two countries? I don't know. Yeah, I guess Jen goes to the peninsula, becomes a scholar, the little peninsula gets taken over by the Medes, and then he feels guilty. Oh, dear. Ooh, I don't <laughs> want this anymore. <laughs> That's about it for chapter six. Next episode, this podcast goes to war. In the meantime, send us your ideas, art, thoughts on this chapter, or chapter seven, or any chapter, or even just, like, the correct way to eat an Oreo. We live at atolianarchives.tumblr.com. Be blessed, blessed in your, your endeavors. endeavors.